Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Chris Nardecchia. Chris is the Chief Information Officer of Rockwell Automation, a $7 billion industrial automation company with a digital nervous system. Chris has been enrolled for more than four and a half years and has traditional Chief Information Officer responsibilities, as well as broader Chief Digital Officer type responsibilities. He even ran a $2 billion software and controls business on an interim basis. The transformation he's led at this company, whose founding dates back to 1903, has been profound. I look forward to hearing all about it and understanding some of the necessary ingredients that he and the team have put in place to bring the transformation about. Chris, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Uh, It's always great to see you, Peter. Thank you very much. Uh, It's a pleasure. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Well, uh, Chris, you are the Chief Information Officer of Rockwell Automation, and Rockwell has a distinguished history, but like a lot of business-to-business organizations, uh, if you if you're, don't have reason necessarily to, to uh, interact with Rockwell Automation, for some of our listeners, it may not be a household name. I, I wonder if you could just take a quick moment and provide a bit of a thumbnail sketch into the business that Rockwell's in. Yeah, th- thanks for that, Peter. I, it, it, I think it is always helpful to kind of ground people in the context So I'll give a little bit of an overview. So Rockwell Automation was founded in 1903. So it's a long and storied company headquartered in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We're the world's largest company that's dedicated solely to industrial automation and digital transformation. And with our $7 billion in sales and operating in 100 companies and a workforce of 25,000, we primarily think about three operating segments, intelligent devices, software and control, and lifecycle services. So we provide hardware and software products and the services to our manufacturing customers in a variety of industries. This includes consumer goods, life sciences, automotive and oil and gas. And we help those customers control, optimize, and orchestrate their manufacturing processes and production output, making their operations more productive, safer, and sustainable. So in essence, We're at the center of digital transformation for manufacturing companies by providing machine control and intelligence and leveraging the data that's coming from both manufacturing and IT systems to create insights that lead to faster and better decisions across their production environment. Chris, for the purposes of better context, maybe talk a little bit about the broader strategy the company's pursuing. So... Um, you know, at Rockwell, our expertise is in guiding our customers through their industrial transformations. And we have very specific domain experience and a partner-based ecosystem to bring those holistic solutions to our industrial customers. And as we all know, the, the digital transformation is disrupting business in nearly every industry. And that shift opens up new sources of value, new products and services more efficient ways of doing businesses, business in new ways um, and, and finding new ways to win. It, it's about creating new customer experiences, transforming business models and empowering workforce and uh, innovation. And as we're on that journey ourselves of helping our customers navigate their own digital transformation journeys, we found that our own enterprise business model was inefficient. And that inhibited the changes, you know, we sought to deliver to our customers. And so we embarked on our own internal transformation. So in in 2020, we set out to build an outcome and experience-driven foundation. 
And importantly, we, we started to reimagine the way we defined our products, right? So, so that was the genesis of, you know, me getting more involved in, well, what is our future business model? And, you know, how do we put customers as the central driver of our transformation efforts? And again, those, that transformation efforts, what we concluded needed to focus on three primary areas, reinventing our products, redefining our customer experience, and renewing our operating model to deliver increasing annually recurring revenue and as a service offerings. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, customers are increasingly defining value as outcomes and experiences. And at the same time, as, as a traditional company with a traditional hardware product offering, um, you know, we need to deliver that capability at, and innovate on those traditional products. So it's, it's a complex set of offerings to meet our customers where they are in their transformation journey. And we focus on being able to provide variety, speed, and scale to meet our customers' expectations and our product offerings and our interactions across the ecosystems of partners, customers, and distributors. So um, that all of that led to a redesign of our organization and rethinking how we go to market. And within that, we formed a new uh, business unit called Software and Control about two years ago now. And the, that was an outcome from this, you know, rethinking about how we needed to show up in the market and create focus on really our software offerings and moving more towards as a service offerings. And for a period there, while we were hiring a new leader for that operating segment, I led that for about a six month period in a transitionary role, which was very interesting. Um, you know, it, it fit my background and experience. Um, and I was happy to, you know, kind of hold down the fort until we got a, a more permanent leader in there. Really great. I, and I, I wonder, you know, having had that experience, Chris, did it give you a, and, and again, ha- holding it um, uh, at the same time as still being a CIO, did it give you any sort of a further appreciation as to the sort of the, the, the broader power of the role of CIO for, to, to, to spread your wings a little bit um, uh, more across the organization to drive value in some unusual ways? Yeah, you know, it, it, um, it certainly did give me another appreciation. You have to make, you know, uh, other trade-offs there. But I think what it illustrates is that, you know, every company is an IT company today. So I frequently talk about this with my own team when they, they get into the, the talk of, well, we're doing this for the business, I, I quickly correct them and say, look, at our, our business is IT and IT is the business. You know, I, I'm pretty convinced that um, every company is an IT company today and more and more you see software defining and running companies. So, you know, I, I was always a little bit involved in kind of pushing the envelope of what kind of applications can come out of the IT organization that then get put into the product um, you know, portfolio eventually and, and become productized and a commercial offering. So, so for me, it was good to kind of experience that firsthand, but certainly there are nuances of running a, a, a P&L and the trade-offs that you have to make, and that was a good learning experience for me. That's a great overview, Chris. I really appreciate that. And the extent to which digital transformation is at the heart of what you just described, 
you are operating in a place that is representative of many in many ways of kind of where business is going more generally speaking. You know, as somebody who was in pharmaceuticals for a great number of years at Amgen as a, a technology leader before joining uh, Rockwell Automation, t- can you talk a bit about sort of the meta aspect of this? You, know, you, you run and help drive innovation and change from a digital perspective for this company and, and on behalf of the, the, the broader ecosystem that the company has, uh, but the company itself also delivers that digital transformation. T- talk a bit about the sort of internal and external lens to that, if you will. Yeah, it, maybe just I'll, I'll take a little moment to just kind of describe my role because I think it's going to cover that. So, sure, so sure, I joined I, I joined in 2017, um, and as you mentioned, I've had a long history uh, previous to that uh, in the life sciences industry. So, so here when I came to the organization, I've got three primary responsibilities. The traditional CIO, um, where I'm responsible for the strategic vision, operational excellence, and change leadership for the development and implementation of information technology initiatives and architecture across the company. So that's kind of the more more traditional aspect. But there's another couple of components that are maybe less traditional or might fall under chief digital officer responsibilities, um, and, and that's driving Rockwell's corporate information technology strategy and our internal transformation, where we create digital solutions that enhance the company's capabilities internally and externally. And then, you know, finally, I interface with customers as an executive sponsor and helping my peers in those companies with their digital roadmaps. And and along those lines, um, and you participated in this event, which I I sincerely thank you for, we recently held a three-day event to foster thought leadership among uh, industry digital leaders, especially as it relates to barriers to scale for industrial digital transformation efforts. So, so that was a, a great event that um, we brought together thought leaders across the industries you know, to explore the subject of digital transformation. And m- more importantly, um, you know, why, do, why do industrial transformations uh, get stalled as compared to our counterparts in retail and high tech? And talk a bit about your own conclusions about why that's the case, because I think it's a really interesting and compelling insight that you offer there, Chris. And again, one that you have some statistical significance around, given the number of companies who you've had a chance to interact with to decipher what's going well or what is not. What what are some of those impediments you found? Yeah, I I think that, you know, I think going into um, those few days with my peers, I, I had some, you know, beliefs about, you know, what might be causing it, and and I always believe that while the technology isn't always the simplest to deploy, by and large, it's not a technology issue. Um, it's w- one of the things we're working on at Rockwell Autom- Automation, where we think simplification will kind of win the day, and and we think we'll improve it. But the underlying technology capabilities are there. So what I've kind of concluded on is that you know, the leadership and culture matter within companies. And, you know, a a couple of other things that, you know, come to mind are each company's at a different place in their digital journey. So there's really not this question anymore of why people need to transform. It becomes a strategic imperative. It's how fast they can do it and how can they rally across their multiple locations to get that leadership, 
culture scale piece figured out. And one of the underlying issues there is, you know, talent, right? Talent is a top of mind issue, you know, in digital transformation, but in general across the companies we serve and, and my peers. It, it comes out in almost every conversation I have with other CIOs. And, and Chris, you are somebody who has thought very creatively about talent and how to acquire it, how to keep it. You mentioned earlier yours is a company based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and it's not Silicon Valley, perhaps, or Route 128 in Boston, but there actually are a great number of great universities nearby, uh, a, a great ecosystem in the city itself, but in the surrounding areas in the state and you know down south in Chicago as well. Uh, talk a bit about some of your own thought process in terms of identifying and, and and finding great talent and and also sort of um, ensuring that they are building the skills of tomorrow. Um, talk about some of your methods, if you would. Yeah, you know, that's one of the observations, you know, I had returning to the, the Midwest from, you know, uh, more than a decade on the West Coast working was that some of the skills that were necessary for the transformation we were going to embark on both in IT and across the company just really didn't exist at the scale we needed. So I was pretty determined from the beginning to, you know, bring that talent in from outside the company, but also to engage with the community and see uh, if we could, you know, uplift the skill sets towards, you know, digital transformation skill sets around agility, growth mindset, you know, uh, high learning and change agility. So one of the things that I introduced pretty early on was, you know, this concept of hackathons. And we did the first one within Rockwell to kind of build, you know, that muscle a little bit. Then we extended it out to the communities, extended it out to universities. And now we have a pretty good routine that, you know, once a quarter or at least twice a year, we're hosting uh, hackathons either with um, you know, organizations like SWE or SHIP or NSBE, uh, but also in, in the, the local community um, in drawing them in. And, I, you know, I think one of my, one of my proudest moments uh, in a hackathon was, you know, we had some local high school students that actually came in second place in one of our hackathons. And, you know, sometimes the problems we give aren't the easiest to solve. So I was pretty impressed that that level of talent existed and it just needed to be unlocked through these types of events. So, so again, to your question, it's been a series of those types of events to engage the community and injecting some talent from the coasts with, with maybe a different mindset or experiences. And then, you know, trying to build up the Milwaukee technical community uh, in concert with, you know, my peers in the industry, you know, other others in the Milwaukee area. That's really fantastic. I appreciate you sharing that those vignettes and how remarkable that that you have some precocious high schoolers uh, in the area as well. What a great story that is. Um, I, you know, one of the things at that very event that you were kind enough to include me in, which I, I thoroughly enjoyed, uh, a lot of the technology uh, that that your team and the broader organization brings to life was on display there. I, there was uh, like some virtual reality uh, and, and augmented reality experiences that we saw. Um, clearly, yours is an organization that's thinking a lot about the art of the possible, thinking about trends to draw in, to enhance experiences, uh, to help explain what it is that you do, to help provide people, even if they don't have the opportunity of visiting a site, how things are undertaken and so on. Talk a little bit about, if you would, kind of like that innovation agenda and 
the, the way in which you and the broader team think about delivering the art of the possible and connecting the dots between tri- trends that are on the rise and, and uh, deciphering their applicability back to an organization like your own? Yeah, that, that's a really good question, Peter. You know, one of the other programs that um, I brought into Rockwell with my peers, right, and, and most notably um, the leader of our operations group um, running the factories was this concept of Rockwell on Rockwell, where, you know, we, we take our own products and our partner products and we use them in our own manufacturing facilities. Um, this is a way for us to both test our, you know, our own products and make sure that we can speak to them intimately about how we're using them and the benefits they provide. But it also affords us to look at um, our partner products and how they would show up at a customer. And again, we get the benefit of these and we can then tout the benefits of you know, productivity or you know, applications that deliver on um, capabilities that maybe weren't there before. But we can also showcase those for our customers. We've recently built a, a, a production center in Milwaukee, we've brought, we've brought it back to the headquarters of our, one of our contactor lines. This is a highly automated line, really has you know no operators in it, uh, fully robotic. And this, this showcases all of our technologies um, so that we not only can get in the benefits of it and prove that you know Milwaukee-based uh, manufacturing can be competitive, um, but it also provides a showcase where customers can see it in action and then be able to translate that into their own manufacturing operations. And we have a number of venues to do that within our own manufacturing locations, but in our customer experience centers uh, where you can experience these new technologies and then translate them into your own operations. And at the event, I think you saw that you know people in that virtual reality that led to customers thinking about, oh, how can I adopt these technologies? They're not always aware that the technologies have advanced to a point that they're prime time ready. And uh, when people see them in action, then they can relate them to their own operations. Great set of insights there, Chris. I really appreciate it. Um, I, I wanted to also ask you, you know, we talked about some of the challenges to transformation uh, that a lot of companies have. And Yours is one that by any measure has been been able to do so successfully. And remembering again, a company born in 1903, like you said, a company at scale, you know, in excess of $7 billion, $8 billion in revenue. Um, this is a, a large, you know, august, older organization. Talk a bit about some of the factors that have been the difference makers for you and for the company more generally speaking in successfully marshalling in rather significant change that you described. Well, in some regards, um, like many companies, you know, the the onset of the pandemic accelerated things for everybody, right? So it accelerated digital transformation within the manufacturing industry and companies, you know, worldwide were looking for technology solutions that would enable more resilience and agility within their operations. We we had a we had to respond to that as well, not only for ourselves, um, but for our customers. And, and that became really important. And I think Rockwell's value was underscored early in the crisis. 
um, for our technology, because our technology and expertise plays a critical role in the production of essential goods like packaged goods, uh, personal protective equipment, and probably most importantly, medicine. At the most simplistic levels, these products can't be made in the necessary quantity or quality without automation. You just simply can't produce billions of doses of vaccine without automation. So our top priority you know, was focused on our, you know, first the safety of our and well-being of our employees, but then we quickly turned towards how do we get critical customers that are operating critical infrastructure for the country, country operating. So, um, so, so that was kind of an important, you know, transition point for us to accelerate and double down on our own internal transformation so that we could meet the market needs. Very well said. Chris, as you look to the future, what, what trends excite you? What are some of the things that are making that's making their way onto your roadmap uh, that particularly excites you? Yeah, that, this is always kind of a, a fun and interesting question. And I think, you know, quite a bit about it in different aspects. So maybe I'll, I'll talk about a couple of areas that, you know, I've been thinking about lately and that intrigue me. And maybe it, it makes most sense to start with the technology uh, piece. Um, I, I felt for you know the past you know several years here that we're in this period of exp- exponential technology innovation, and it's only going to continue to accelerate. So you know if <laughs> if you understand the exponential curve, right, the doubling you know each year just gets uh, you know more comprehensive. So. What's particularly exciting to me is the adoption of these technologies in the industrial sector, which we all know tends to lag other industries like retail and high tech. So things like accelerated cloud adoption, no code, low low code platforms, AI, machine learning, blockchain, AR, VR, they're gonna help deliver this promise that's been out in the industry called Industry 4.0. And my contention is we're still in the very early stages of transformation at most industrial companies. So what that means is there's significant upside potential in those companies that embrace the technologies and can transform who they are and how they operate. So that's you know pretty exciting. You know the the, the technologies in this space, you know, aren't only going to help those companies but they're gonna enable solutions to some of the most pressing challenges of today, like sustainability, energy management, food and medicine availability and managing supply chain risks. So so from my perspective, it's a great time to be a technologist in the industrial sector as the impact of some of these societal and global challenges, that becomes an exciting prospect. So that's kind of one area that's pretty exciting to me. The second area that, I find pretty intriguing is around talent. I I mentioned earlier, this is top of mind with almost everyone, any executive I talk talk to. So around talent, like what's the role of IT in companies? What's the shift in the workforce demographics and the focus on diversity and tech gonna do? It's pretty acknowledged that most companies are technology companies and running on software. This coupled with the acceleration of technology advancements necessitates that, you know, IT professionals and probably all workers in general embrace an agile and growth mindset. So 
high learning and change abilities required um, to adopt and advance new ways of working. And, and again, I think you know, you're, you're going to see IT capabilities in managing data, being able to code, infiltrate into traditional business areas. So everyone's going to be kind of a coder in the future. And you know, that, that might be scary to people, but I actually think the timing is good here with the baby boomer generation aging out of the workforce and Gen Z who grew up in technology entering. And I think that opens up significant opportunities to reshape you know, business transformation by leveraging technology. Uh, I, I think another interesting aspect is understanding the motivations of the next generation and how that's gonna impact companies. This is a large transition and it's likely to result in some new and exciting companies an accelerated transformation of some of the existing companies. Um, so the diversity in our population uh, and the graduating college students is also changing rapid, rapidly. And this is gonna have a profound impact on the values and focuses of companies in the future. Um, and I, I won't be so bold on, on this podcast, Peter, is to predict what those shifts might be. However, I will predict that it will be pretty exciting. Well, as more, I want to uh, highlight one of those real quickly, if I could, Chris, and that is as uh, more technology becomes accessible to the rest of the organization as, as uh, you know, uh, profound uh, impacts associated with citizen development and, and uh, an ability for non-technologists to do some of the coding uh, that would have been more than esoteric to the, that same population not so long ago. What does that mean for the change? Uh, changes in IT and what IT does and the value it provides. Historically, like other lenses, the finance organization has a depth of knowledge in finance different from the rest of the company, and that's that's a the, the value they provide among other things to simplify things a little bit. IT's value is is a is a is a profound understanding of technology. As this becomes more immersive, do you see the role of IT continuing to change and evolve in order to? find new new layers or levels of value as a result of that? I, I do. I, I see a couple of things. And number one, you know, the, the democratization of data and coding has to happen. And I think IT still has a role in that. And, you know, one of the things that I've always been a proponent of and see, seen work really well, and we do that to some extent here at Rockwell, is these kind of community of support centers where you have expertise, you know, out of the center run by IT, but you have, you know, these data citizens or coding citizens all throughout the company that can come to a central place, leverage the, the, the common experience across the company, get those specific, you know, skill sets that might not exist everywhere, and then, op, you know, continue to expand this com community of support. So we do this with our, you know, our Power BI and Power Apps community, um, in my previous company, we did this in, you know, our data and analytics about how to leverage, you know, the, the, the strength and domain expertise across the company to build applications that improve productivity. So I think that's one change that will continue to, to expand. And that's a good thing where you can leverage, you know, the, the strength across the organization to get more done and, and do it in a, a way that you don't have proliferation of technology. I, th I think the the other, you know, shift is going to be um, 
just you know where does does IT focus in the future, and how are they contributing to adding more value to the the top line and grow different kind of product offerings? So you know how do they how does IT contribute to you know the 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 redefining of what your company is and what your product offering is? So I just think that that you're going to see more and more CIOs and IT organizations you know, drive kind of, you know, the, the product roadmaps of companies. A great, great, great set of insights. Thank you, Chris. I wanted to close by asking you, uh, Chris, what, what do you see as sort of the secrets to your success as somebody who's risen to uh, a C-level position, um, who's part of an executive team of a, a Fortune 500 organization? I can imagine there are probably people listening to this just as there are people within your organization who would say they'd aspire to have a career that looks a bit like yours or reaches a perch akin to the one you have. What advice would you offer others reflective of, again, those the sort of uh, secret ingredients that have helped you get to where you are? Oh, boy, um, good question. Uh, you know, I get asked this, you know, a lot and you know my answer probably <laughs> varies each time I'm asked it but <laughs> I, I I'd, I'd say that there's probably a, a few kind of themes is look at there, there there always has been and there always will be more problems and opportunities in companies that um, that any group can solve so I always you know tell people and new recruits that you know, pick up the balls that are bouncing around the court that no one else is paying attention to and bring those forward, create solutions for those. You know, at times someone will think that you're, um, you know, stepping on their turf, but more often than not, you'll find that you're allowed to carry those balls to the basket and everyone's appreciative. And the more times you do that and picking up those bouncing balls and start solving problems that have persisted in the environment, you're going to kind of be known as a problem solver and someone that's willing to, you know, step out of their comfort zone and do things. So I'd say stepping out of the comfort zone, picking up those bouncing balls, that's kind of one. Number two is I think it's really important, and this has served me very well, is, is having a broad network, both internal and external to the company that you can call upon when you get into an area that you don't have a lot of experience in, or you need a you know, some counseling on or, you know, some pieces of advice. So, you know, really kind of leverage your network and collaborate and, you know, give back to your network. I think that th those pay, that pays dividends throughout your career. And I think is a big key to success. That's one of the things that I've been able to bring here to Rockwell as an extended network. It served me well from the life sciences and being able to make connections with customers uh, and, you know, demonstrate the value that Rockwell can bring to that industry. So, you know, I, I think fostering that network, keeping it fresh, uh, continually, you know, looking out. And then I'd say that the last area is as a technologist, you got to be scanning the environment all the time. So I'm pretty active in the venture capitalist, private equity, you know, startup community and looking at what's the next thing coming out. Um, a lot of people don't do this because it's a lot of extra work. It takes your extra hours in the evenings to kind of maintain those connections, scan the environment for what might be differentiated, and then, you know, pilot those. So that's one of the things that we bring into our hackathons 
um, is I have a group that's constantly looking at um, both things that fit into our product portfolio as we go to market, but things that we can use in IT and evaluating those and putting them through our Rockwell and Rockwell program to say, is there anything there that we should adopt and, um, and, or we should be keeping an eye on? So I'd say those three areas, Peter. That's sound advice. Thank you so much for reflecting on that, Chris. Uh, you may give other answers uh, when others ask you that question, but that one was a very good one. <laughs> uh, Chris Nordekia, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been wonderful to get your perspectives on this dynamic time we're all living through, but its application to a business as, as interesting as your own and this remarkable transformation that you have helped lead at this storied old organization of uh, already at scale. Uh, it's an inspiring story and I appreciate you telling it to uh, to this audience. Yeah, no, thank you, Peter. It's always great to see you. And, you know, it is uh, a very exciting time for this industry. It's one that's ripe with opportunity. Uh, you know, our customers are sitting on decades of data that once unlocked, they're going to pro provide insights. And with the technology advancements that keep coming, um, there's just like really exciting opportunities that I can envision for the future. So th thanks very much for the opportunity uh, to speak with you. Very well said. Thank you, Chris.